0: I'm Jack Hampton and this is the Hampton Hoops Podcast. What up, what up, Coop, how are you doing my friend? Surviving and throbbing.
1: The way it went down was shisty.
0: Broke me dude. <laughs> Let the fun begin. Let's get it on today's pod. We discuss all things play in and play off basketball. Coop and I give our predictions for every single series. We also discuss the clown show that is Patrick Beverly. This man really stood up on the scores table, ripped his jersey off, and threw it in the crowd as he was crying after advancing to the playoffs. And now his Timberwolves have a date with our Memphis Grizzlies, and I have an absolute clip to unload when it comes to that series. Oh, and the Lakers fired their coach as well. We discuss all of that and much more, so let's jump Jump into it. What up, what up, Coop? How are you doing, my friend? Oh, uh, you know, surviving and thriving. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. We have play-in, play-off basketball. Yes, sir. First game we're going to discuss is Cleveland and Brooklyn. Where the Nets won, 115 to 108. Cooper, what are your takeaways from this first play-in game?
1: So, I know the final score kind of looks closer, but I really – I thought this game was going to be closer, like, for the – like, the whole game. Um, mm. Cleveland – I mean, Cleveland was losing – I mean, when you come out and it's 40 to 20 after one quarter, you're battling back the whole game, especially against a team that has lethal scores like Kevin Durant and Kyrie. Um, And I'm going to be honest. I watched like a couple minutes of this game because when I turned it on, it was a massive blowout. And the second quarter was kind of a lull fest with only 40 points total scored. So that's the quarter I was watching. And I was like, yeah, we're going to watch a movie. So I watched Imitation Game yeah. during this because <laughs> I know it. it is a solid movie. I enjoyed it. Uh, but mm-hmm. not nah, honestly, you saw everything you needed to see from Brooklyn. They took care of business. Um, you definitely saw. So I gonna you, you and I both uh, love love our Grizzlies and I'm not going to plug them too much here. But like at the beginning of the year, we were kind of comparing the Cavs and the Grizzlies in the same tier. Um, just at the beginning of the season, because the Cavs were blowing away expectations, but I think the Cavs are kind of in that last year Grizzly vibe, um, and I know you know what that means—they're above 500, they make the play-in. Um, the, obviously, the Grizzlies were a little different; they were the 10 seed, I think, or the 9 seed. And they had to win and then win again to get the 8 seed. Um, so, Cavs still have opportunity to. They're in the driver's seat, in my opinion. Um, I definitely think with the way that the Hawks are playing that this might be a tougher game than they want. But as far as for the – so, like I said, with Brooklyn, they just took care of business. I mean, and also when you shoot 54% and 32% from three, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's pretty lethal. Um, and so they, did, they took care of business, like I said. And uh, for um, Cleveland, I was – I was honestly more disappointed when I was watching it. Their paint defense was atrocious. Um, and I mean, obviously I can't speak for the whole game, but like when I was watching, I was just taken back by how bad they were getting kind of demolished by Drummond on the inside. Um, and it's kind of, for them it kind of stinks because one game you're seeing uh, kind of when I was watching, like I mentioned, Drummond was kind of tearing you up on the inside and, of course, Kevin Durant can carry up from anywhere on the court, and Kyrie couldn't miss. Um, and then next game, you're not getting any breaks with Trey Young. Um, and so, and Clint Capella for that matter. Clint Capella is, in my opinion, a little bit better than Drummond. So, um, Cleveland definitely came out flat in that first quarter, but hopefully with the last – I mean, they won the last three quarters, so hopefully with that momentum they can kind of carry into a, a hot Atlanta Hawks team. The final uh, score to that one was 132-103, to so you hope they can carry that momentum. I mean, you you outscored them 6-8, uh, plus 5-13. You outscored them by 13 over the final three quarters, but like I said, when you're down by 20 after one quarter, it's kind of hard to – bounce back and keep but they battle and so you gotta give them credit for that as a young team you can always see a young team kind of like the hornets did tonight where they just kind of crash and burn fade don't care can't get back in it so give credit to them for that because uh the nets are obviously a lethal team as we both know um so i'll be interested to see how they come out against uh, the hawks i think that's friday yeah no, it's yeah, Thursday. Friday.
0: Okay, Friday. I'm so glad you touched on the Cleveland uh part of this game cuz Darius Garland, you know, the world got to see what he was capable capable of. He had a great game. And I'm just going to touch on the Brooklyn front of this game. I was with you, man. I expected this to be more of a blowout win, I should say. I know that's bad, but Cleveland's kind of Ended the year on a downturn with Aaron Allen and everything being out. I just expected Brooklyn to go in there and take care of business, get momentum into that um, upcoming Boston series. But I have less confidence after watching that game in Brooklyn. Uh, I really, my takeaway from this game is I don't think they're going anywhere past the first round. I really don't. Uh, they could barely beat Cleveland with no Jared Allen at home, and it took a combined 60 points from Kyrie and KD to win this one. Yes, they may have some hope if, since Boston is uh, has Robert Williams out, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But I don't know. I'm just feeling uneasy about the Brooklyn Nets right now. How are you feeling about them?
1: I'm probably in the same boat as you. Like I said, I mean, you, they win this game solely on the fact that they come out strong um,
0: mm-hmm. and have yeah. a
1: 40-point first quarter. I mean, it's, it's you're not seeing very many 40-point quarters um, unless you're watching the Grizzlies. Um, but yeah. uh, I mean, like I, like I mean, I was saying how the Cavs gained momentum in the final three, and you can kind of see. I don't know if it, I don't know if we can count it off as just like I thought they were coasting. I thought they were like, all right, we won yes. this game. It's um, a great way to put it. Let's not let's not work too hard because Boston's gonna make us work extremely hard. That's kind of how I looked at it. I don't know whether or not to take it as they they just they got out. I mean, they also got outplayed, but um, I don't know. How I'm trying to say that I just think they kind of they coasted. They they assumed they had it, um, and I mean, it got tight. There in the end, um, I know KD. <laughs> there, there was the video of him. The, everybody saying he made sure to get his foot behind this the line yeah, this time that hit that kind of dagger three. So I mean, and we we know both you and I know Kyrie can hit a massive shot if need be, and so can KD. So like, we're not discussing like their pedigrees and like what they can or can't do. I just in this game, I think they they punched them real hard in the the first quarter, and then they coasted. Um, like, I mean, like I said, the second quarter was a lull fest when I turned it on and it was 17, uh, points scored by Brooklyn. Um, so you go from 40 points to 17. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you. You're going to see a lot of 17s and 23s, uh, posted in that box score with Boston. Boston's not going to let a 40 point quarter really get by them. I mean, their defense is uh, shut down. So I definitely, I'll. As interested as I'll be in to see if Cleveland's momentum from the final three quarters can carry into their game against Atlanta, I'll definitely be interested to see how Brooklyn's mentality carries into Boston. Because you're going to have to bring a mentality that's stronger than Boston's, and that's going to be hard to do.
0: Exactly. While we're talking about this play and stuff, do you think Cleveland will be able to beat Atlanta? It's going to be in Cleveland. Uh, How are you feeling on that one?
1: Honestly, not good. Um, You know I love this Cleveland team. Um, they got my boy Evan Mobley, and like you said, Darius Garland showed the world last night what he's capable of. Um, he's definitely taken that year too. Uh, nice jump in progression. Um, they they got short into the stake. You really, if you're if you're a Cleveland fan, you really hope they could get past Boston, uh, or not Boston, Brooklyn, because um, Atlanta is hot right I mean I didn't watch yeah. the final few games of Atlanta but I did just watch them literally curb stomp the ever living crap out of the uh, Hornets and so yeah. if I'm Cleveland that's like a bucks all that I don't really want to have to go play but you do have the luxury of they're having to come to you um, we, <laughs> we did see last night that home court advantage definitely helped one team Um yeah. <laughs> Um, so we'll see. Um, I, I'm excited for it. I think this will be a good game. You have uh, young stars at the forefront of this game, so it'll definitely be a fun one to watch, and I'll definitely be interested to see what, how it plays out.
0: Mm-hmm. Cleveland should have Jared Allen back on Friday at home against Atlanta, but I really don't think it matters because, as to you said, with with uh, Clint Capella, that kind of cancels it out, in my opinion. And I think as nuclear as Trey Young is, I think he gets it done. He's been in big games before. They had that deep playoff run last year, and this is an experienced team. John Collins or not, I think they get through Cleveland, who's just been on an absolute in a spiral for about a month now, so I think Atlanta takes care of our business. Now let's talk about that home court advantage team that we were kind of alluding to. Yes, I just want to tee off right now uh, and talk about you know this this matchup that our Grizzlies have, but I'm gonna I'm gonna wait and I'm only gonna s- say this: I already hate Patrick Beverly and the Timberwolves more than the CP3 Blake Griffin Clippers. And that's all I'm gonna say, alluding to the Grizzlies-Wolves series. We will unload the clip at the end of the pod when it comes to that. But Minnesota defeated the LA Clippers last night, 109 to 104, which was just an absolute (laughs) Afghanistan-like aftermath of the game. It was rather bizarre. It was laughable. It was childish. It was, hey, we we know we haven't been there in 18 years. It was ridiculous, quite frankly. So, what are your takeaways from uh, the Wolves beating the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard? So, I'm gonna start. I'll start with the T Wolves. Um,
1: give credit where credits due. Yeah, they looked like a bunch of children who just won the World Cup or something. Like they won the gold medal um, after they won this game and. I mean, you won this game just to get into the playoffs. Yes, I know they are calling it the playoffs on live TV and all that stuff. Because, I mean, if you think about it, yes, you're basically in the playoffs, but you're still having to play to get to the main playoffs. Um, so give credit to them. I mean, give credit to Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell. Um, when your big man goes out with stuff, uh, fouling out and he's not even played very well before then with 11 points five rebounds three assists and four turnovers um and so like when he goes out and he only shot 27 from the field so didn't really help you very much um when you go out it kind of looked like a all right clippers just don't blow it like that you know what i mean like it, when you're in a situation where their best player uh, okay I'll say they have one A one B because I, I, I think Anthony Edwards is kind of he's he's definitely getting to that tier in my opinion um, when you when your best one of your best players goes out you're definitely not expecting to win especially after you're being down the whole game but as you and I both know very well D'Angelo Russell just started to go nuclear um, and he ended with 29.6 assists three steals, which for a guy who's not really known for defense. That's pretty dang impressive. Um and then of course Anthony Edwards, as I already mentioned, he he had 30. Um on both of them on great shooting. I mean D'Angelo Russell was fifty six percent and sixty percent from three. Um and Edwards was forty eight percent from the field and forty five from three. So like I mean they win nuclear. Um and Yes, uh, the aforementioned Pat Bev did have a nice steal at the end of the game. I'll give him credit for that. But he, yes, liked, he
0: did.
1: Oh. I don't know what. At. You just beat a Clippers team without their second best player and a bunch of kind of like meh players. I mean, mm-hmm. I, Terrence Mann and Isaiah Hartenstein and Amir Coffey, Robert Covington, Norman mm-hmm. Powell, Nick Batum, Marcus Morris, Zubaj, Richie Jackson, and then Paul George. Obviously,
0: mm-hmm. Paul
1: George is incredible. Um, so I'm gonna move to them. Give credit where credit's due. Timberwolves fought back and they got back in this game after not I mean they were they were definitely struggling. Um but give give credit to them. Um PG's nasty. Um mm. I love watching Paul George play. I'm so glad he's back. I mean I just this Clippers team doesn't scare me. That's why I wanted them to win this game. Um, exactly. I just, you, it's just not much here. Like you have Paul George, and you have Norman Powell and Reggie Jackson. Um, and then I'm not really scared of anybody else. Um, yeah, Robert Covington didn't have that game where he had like fifty the other I don't remember what he had. I'm just I think it was close to fifty or something like that where he just went nuclear and couldn't miss from three. Um, and then Norman Powell can also go off. But I just think putting this roster that they throw out night in night out versus any other team in the playoffs. I just don't see them coming out of a series and granted I could be putting my foot in my mouth because Paul George just last year after Kawhi went down, took them to the conference finals. Um, so th- it's not the end for the Clippers. Cause like we both know they still have a game to play against the winner of this uh, Spurs versus Pelicans game uh, that just got started. But, um, uh, Super disappointing for a team that has been kind of known for coming back from deficits this season, but then they themselves kind of got stuck in a, uh, a comeback <laughs> and they just couldn't stop them. Um, and so I'll definitely be interested to see how they come out and play this next game against the, the winner of the Spurs in New Orleans. So I take all I take away from this game is uh, impressed by the fact that the Timberwolves, being a young team, minus Pepev, can stick in a game and come back. Um, And not give up when your best player goes out. But just super disappointed and uh, concerned about the way the Clippers lost this one.
0: Yeah, I agree. Credit to where credit is due. Um, This was a hell of a win. And it's going to give them great, great confidence going into the playoffs. That's all I'll say as far (laughs) as the playoffs with them. Um, They did everything to lose. And they ended up winning which is just incredible for team chemistry. It's incredible for confidence. And it's, hey, our best player fouled out with seven minutes left, and he had 11 points and went three of 11 and had four turnovers. Cat was absolutely horrendous in this game, and they still won. And the Clippers, I don't know why, but – They sent Paul George into witness protection in the last two minutes of this game because Reggie Jackson thought he was fucking Michael Jordan and wanted to jack up, you know, a couple threes. And it was just absolute prayers he was throwing up. Reggie Jackson was one of six um, going going down the stretch. And it was just like, why are you shooting the ball? You have one of the best players in the game on your team. Get the ball to him. I don't care if Patrick Beverly's on him. Everyone else just spread out. You can I, I trust Paul George to beat any matchup. I don't care who's defending him. His own teammate, Kawhi Leonard, could be defending him. I'm still getting the ball to Paul George in a must-win situation. Facts. I, I, don't, I don't know. That's what made me the most mad is they went away from their best player. And the fact that Minnesota did everything to lose and they still won, that's what scares me more than anything. And I'll discuss that as we go into their matchup with Memphis later. But as far as a Patrick Beverly thing, um, him jumping on the scores table, uh, ripping his jersey off, throwing it in the crowd, bawling, crying, drinking a beer in the post game. It was just elementary and it was so entertaining. Mm-hmm. It was so entertaining. I can't even lie. As much as I hate the guy, uh, you know, I would love him if he's on my team. I would hate him at some points. It'd be kind of like a Tony Allen relationship where you love and hate the guy. But, gosh, it was, it was fun to watch, but the aftermath was just so laughable to me.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. And, dude, I could not agree more. I was sitting there. Every time Paul George touched the ball down the stretch, he made a contested three. And then the next three possessions, yeah. it was like Reggie Jackson or somebody just wanted to dribble the ball and yeah throw up like a triple team shot or or get their pocket picked and i was like what in the war i was like you literally saw one team just utterly collapse and like you you couldn't have said it any better than you just did the timberwolves did everything imaginable to lose this game um mm-hmm. and yet the clippers are the ones that lost this game so i yeah. you you couldn't have said it better you hit everything that i was thinking and yeah i mean when when he jumped when he jumped on the podium d wade style i was like what just happened i was i was like we went yeah it was like i mean he was you could tell something was about like you could tell like the emotions were running high with the way he was barking like every time he like Every time they, like, got to the free throw line or, (laughs) like...
0: Every game, though, he got thrown out of their last regular season game It was completely pointless. He got ejected from it by screaming at the ref that he was trash. You know, that's regular season game. It's just like, what is wrong with this guy? Exactly.
1: I mean, you got to give him credit where, like you said, credit where credit's due. I mean, he's going to bring energy. It doesn't matter who they're playing, and it doesn't (laughs) matter what kind of game it is. I mean, he's going to do it, and, yeah, I mean, the D-Wade style... Uh, and then the TNT crew making it even that much better with the, we are the champions, yeah. uh, God, and Chuck so and Shaq funny. just laughing. Uh, yeah. definitely made for a very memorable and laughable moment on the night. So what'll well, be even funnier, um, is if they come out flat in their first playoff series.
0: <laughs> yes, I, I would pray for that. Oh, I, will too. I, I would pray for that. Speaking of losers, we're going to um, go to the biggest losers of the season of all, and that is the Los Angeles Lakers. They fired their head coach, Frank Vogel, after the last game of the season on Sunday. Vogel found out through Woj's tweet, just like everyone else. He did not find out from upper management themselves. Therefore, he had to answer questions in the post-game press conference because it was tweeted right afterwards, which I don't blame Woj, he's doing his job. But um, he got asked about it in the post-game press conference where he said, my reaction to hearing this is, I haven't heard shit, and that's word for <laughs> word what he said. Um, but this, yeah. obviously this is a predictable move by the Lakers GM to save his own job. You know, we all saw this coming, but the delivery of the nudes we did not see coming. And clearly Vogel probably knew this for months. Yes, it wasn't some shocker to him that he was fired. It was just, it wasn't a good look for the Lakers that it was leaked. Uh, Cooper, my question to you is, what is your opinion on this whole situation that's happening out in Los Angeles right now?
1: It's it's a basket case out there. I mean, yeah, he knew it was coming, but I think this just highlights their problem since the beginning of the season. The management has been horrendous. Um, you trade away every young asset. Um, you trade away almost every asset other than LeBron and Anthony Davis. Um, and you're projected to be the title favorite um and then you can't even get into a playing game so i i i'm gonna more or less blame i blame the management the gm and all the people who made the decisions in the offseason um because at the end of the day when a coach gets fired it's it's usually that's the first step of like like you just said covering somebody's own tail um in the next case it'll be the gm um and it's just so funny the thing that just keeps popping in my head with this Lakers situation is Magic Johnson saying I ain't gonna be there because I mean just the fact that you're seeing just the nonsense going down really I mean granted we're not I'm not saying like Magic Johnson was the greatest GM of all time and all that stuff but like I don't think this season would have happened if somebody competent was actually in office and so, I don't even blame Frank Vogel, really. Um, the way it went down was shysty. Um, but, like, give him credit for what credit's do. I mean, you won a game with the crappiest defensive team I've ever seen in my life, um, with the oldest team I've ever seen in my life, um, and you didn't even have your second-best player for over half the season. So, I mean, the fact that they were in it till the end granted I, I you and I both kind of saw the the stars aligning to where they probably weren't gonna make the playoffs um or the play in at least so I mean he's gonna find another job and he's gonna be fine um but yeah I don't even blame him this was just bad look for the Lakers um, a team, an organization that's usually looked at it in a a higher up light I should say I'm not gonna say a great light because no teams that were generally looked at in a great light, but like they're looked at it as better than what they just did. So that's kind of my on that.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely agree. I have written down basically what you just said is the Lakers have went from one of the best organizations in the league to one of the worst in a matter of a couple years. And I apologize that I'm looking away, but they're showing video of Zion warming up before the game. And it was more than one windmill dunk, okay. Hey. <laughs> he's got a chain on that's about the size of, I don't even know what it's oh It's so he named. He has a medallion on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I, mean, I got distracted that's by all the ice. But, uh, anyways, yeah, the Lakers for <laughs> from one of the best organizations in the league to one of the worst in a matter of a couple of years. And honestly, I'm so glad you brought up Magic Johnson because I feel like that, ever since he left, it's been ran. A, a little shysty to use your word. Cause that's a, that's a great way to put it. And there's, they have no culture there right now, no leadership. And I feel like everyone's pointing fingers from Russell Westbrook to LeBron James, to Rob Palenka, all the way up to, um, the bus, you know, the, the bus family themselves. And I, I just, I just think there's, uh, they're in shambles, and there's no other way to put it, and that's all I'm going to say because, I mean, it's playoff time, and I'm not going to talk about a bunch of losers. Mm-hmm,
1: facts. And I also, I'll just add this then the I also thought it was funny. I don't know if it was LeBron just outright saying it or if it was an interview, but LeBron was like, Oh, uh, yeah, I ain't, I ain't going to make any roster decisions. I don't, I don't do that. That's not my job. Yeah,
0: just like, dude, shut the hell like, up. Dude, you're the one that built like, that roster.
1: I was like, dude, you're going you gonna to stop being GM, LeBron, just because it it went this poorly? leGM la <laughs> la GM. la GM. But, yeah, no, just dumpster fire over
0: there. It is, dude. It is. All right, so let's get into uh, our favorite part of the show, which is going playoff series by playoff series giving our analysis, giving our predictions of it. Um, Cooper, I want you to, if you can, give give me uh, a team and possibly how many games they win in uh, the series. And then you can, you can do that at the end, or you can do that at the beginning, however you want to do it. But we're going to kick off this topic by discussing the Golden State Warriors versus the Denver Nuggets. That is a 3-6 matchup. Cooper, what is your thoughts on this one?
1: Um, I think this will be a fun matchup, uh, mostly because of the star power in this one. You got Jokic and you got uh, the Dubs. Um, just I, before I was reading on ESPN and it saying that uh, Steph was back at practice today, so I think we're going to be all all good to go. Um, and I mean, we we both assumed that we both figured he was just being held out for the playoffs. Um, so I'll, I'm interested to see this one. I, I'm I'm going to give. I think it's going to be uh, the Dubs and six. I'm kind of I'm kind of wavering between five and six. Um, just Jokic is just second, or maybe first in MVP this year. So like, um, I'll, I'm gonna give him one or two games just because of that. But the, their roster is unless Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. are back, which I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't I haven't heard anything, um, so I don't know on that front. Um, Okay. But here, yeah, I'm looking right I now. Don't I don't think they, don't they are. Yeah, I don't think yeah, they I don't that. think they will be either. And so, <laughs> I, just, I just don't see a world where uh, teammates of Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, Michael Green, Brent Forbes, uh, Will Barton, and all of them are uh, going to move the needle against Clay, Steph, Draymond. Yeah. Um, just because also Clay Thompson's last game, he dropped 40. So we might be seeing the glimmer of the uh, old Clay Thompson back, which I mean, you know me. Uh, I love that man, Clay Thompson. So him dropping 40 was definitely a beautiful reminder of how good he is. Mm. Um, so I, I'm going to give that prediction. I think it's going to be, uh, I think it'll be five or six and, there is a world where Jokic can maybe pull out another one, um, but I definitely think the Dubs should handle business on this one. Uh, I can see a world where they use this series kind of as a—I uh, don't know—kind um, of a, a, a refresh for them because this this lineup hadn't played together in the playoffs since Clay tore his ACL or er, Achilles. Was it, which one was it the first time? I think it was the ACL the first time then he tore Achilles next. Um, so... I'll definitely be interested to see how they... Because they're finally going to get to play together in the playoffs again. Um, you know as well as I do. Um, the... Uh, Warriors' home court advantage is unmatched. Um, and I'm reading right here. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. is not expected to play during the postseason, and Jamal Murray is not expected to play... to return during the postseason. So, mm-hmm. um... They're gonna be in Facundo Campazzo is suspended for the first uh, game of the series. Uh, I uh, did not I know think that. that. I don't know why he's suspended. So I'm finding this out as I'm looking. Um, and, <laughs> I don't know what he did, I think but he uh,
0: got into it with somebody. It may have been one of the Morris twins, maybe. Okay, uh, uh, it's I
1: always a Morris that. twin. Yeah, I don't know. It's always it a Morris twin. It
0: may. I don't quote me on that one, but it was somebody. No, it was Wayne Ellington. Wayne Ellington. Because Wayne Ellington oh, yeah. <laughs> It was like the most random. Like cause Wayne Ellington tw- tweeted, "If I, he goes, if I see you out, I'm putting my hands on you." i you ever seen that on Twitter, I was like, "Wait, what the hell happened?" Oh, and it was like a, a picture of like Fernando Composito Like this is the craziest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> oh my word! Wrong. But yeah, yeah
1: I, I definitely. Uh, I don't know. I, I think the Dubs will be all right in this one. So that's kind of where I'm at with that one. What you thinking?
0: honestly i'm gonna go out on a limb dude i i'm not a believer in the warriors right now i think they win this series but i think they win it in seven i think they're gonna struggle um steph clay and dre have played a total of 11 minutes together all year and i think Jokic is just gonna have his way with kavon looney i really do and yes when Jokic is on off the floor, they're going to get murdered. And with Clay playing the way playing right now, like, I feel like this, <laughs> you made a really uh, convincing case for the Dubs. And I would not be surprised if they, they're supposed to take care of business in five or six. I just, this is the series where I'm going out on a limb and saying, I, th- I think Denver can push it to seven just because they're going to have to go back and forth from the altitude. Jokic has been great. So, I, I don't know. But that's my that's my opinion on the Warriors and Nuggets. No, that's
1: fair. And I was just about to end like, before fuck. I switch to you.
0: Hold on, there's a there's a fucking tornado. Sorry, I have to edit this shit out, but it's so good. It <laughs> all good. All right, it, going on. That's hilarious,
1: bro. That's fire. Um, oh, but no, I was gonna end. I didn't know. Uh, I was gonna say there's probably gonna be a lot of pressure on the Warriors to kind of get back into gear. That's what I was gonna end with. Um, so I mean, it's it's. Crazy that you just said that you think they're going to struggle with Denver, which Denver is an unfortunate first matchup. I think they would have probably prefer to have Utah because if it was Utah versus Golden State, I would have said Golden State sweep because um, mm. I don't believe in Utah whatsoever. But no, nah, I could definitely see a world where Jokic gives them more problems than uh, they're ready for. And I'll be interested to see if they play Kevon Looney on them or if they play Draymond. Yes. Um, yeah. I think they might put Kevon Looney on Aaron Gordon. Um, but That's we'll see. Point, Obviously. Yeah obviously I'm not a head coach so um I don't have to make those decisions but I'll be interested to see how they play that one
0: I, I still think Draymond would I, I don't I don't know what he could do against Jokic because it's just there'd be a difference in size then and Jokic could just play me I don't know yeah it could go either way dude it I, it really could I I don't know I, I think the Warriors probably take care of it in five or six but I can see it going long I'm it's I could see this one going either way. But let's move into Milwaukee and Chicago, the 3-6 matchup out of the East.
1: I'm going to be honest, and it kind of pains me to say, and I think it's probably stupid to say, but I'm going to say it anyways. Milwaukee in four. Sweep! Um, um, bring out the broom. Um, bring them out. Uh, bring them <laughs> <him> out. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it's probably wild to say that because, I mean, Chicago is still, I mean, they're 10 games above 500. I mean, like, they're not a bad team. Um, I just... You you drew the short end of the stick here, getting Milwaukee. Um, and you and I both have seen Giannis the last couple of years in the playoffs as just a different breed. Um, and you you mentioned it uh, last week when you talked about his stats, where he was averaging dang near 40 and 15 in the last, like, 10 games of the season or something like that. So, like, you're you're running straight into a freight train, um, and and I'm probably being facetious saying four games because Chicago has Zach Levine and Demar Derozan and Vucevic, all guys that are capable of winning a game. Um, so I can see this going five or six, but I definitely think this is going to be Milwaukee series to lose. Um, like they 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 should dominate the Bulls on every level of this series and I, that's why i think it'll be um four or five at least i'm gonna stick with the sweep just because i said it and you already said get the broom so we're gonna stick with it we're gonna hammer it in it. yeah gotta stick with
0: it i'm yeah. locking that in so I, like I, that. I think this will be an easy one for milwaukee yeah i was leaning sweep and i was like you know what i think demar Rosen get you one i think he can get you one game and i think that's it i, I say milwaukee in five but i'm with you it's going to be an absolute domination of a series uh, I think Giannis is going to have his way. Drew Holiday is going to lock up Zach Levine, and you could just throw you could throw Giannis on Demar. You can throw anybody you want to on Demar because Demar will not beat you by himself. Um, and I think Milwaukee wins in five. But let's move to another <laughs> uh, lopsided series, in my opinion. But it could be interesting, and that is we're going to talk about the number one seeds now. We're going to start with the East first this time. Which is Miami? They finish the season at fifty-three and twenty-nine. They're either going to play Cleveland or Atlanta. Um, does depending on who wins Friday, does that change how many games? How you feeling if it was Cleveland? How you feeling if it if it was Atlanta?
1: Yes, it does change for me. So I'm gonna I'm start with Cleveland. So let's say Cleveland wins. I think Miami handles them uh, pretty easily. Um, mm-hmm. I think the youth will show. Um, for Cleveland uh, just solely because you're facing a Miami team that defensively is elite. Um, And I just think that that defense would suffocate um, Cleveland. If it's Atlanta, I think Atlanta steals a game or two. Um, Trey Young is that good. Um, And Miami's offense can be that bad sometimes. Um, So, I definitely think Miami's Miami's kind of a weird one seed for me. Um, not that not that they're bad by any means, but like I just they'd be they'd be tied for the three seed in the in the West, which I mean that's usually how it goes because the East has been super competitive. Um, but they're offensively they have their struggles, um, but defensively they're elite enough to I think handle a first round matchup against a team that's gonna have to play two games in the last uh four or five days so um i think i think they'll take advantage of tired legs from uh atlanta or cleveland and handle both of them but i think atlanta's offensive firepower can probably be uh enough to take one game or two from miami in a series Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I agree. If it's Cleveland, it's a sweep, clean sweep. If it's Atlanta, I say six games because yes, Trey Young is that good, as you said, and they have experience. I think ATL could take one or two from them, possibly two. Um, Let's move over to the West now where the number one seed is the Phoenix Suns. They've been the best team in the league all year at 64 and 18. Is there any shot that the Clippers or the Pelicans or the Spurs even get a game from them.
1: I'm um, all right. Here, here's how we're gonna do this: Spurs probably not. Spurs probably get swept. I love Dejounte, but Dejounte is not enough to beat the Suns. Mm. Um, we'll move to the Pelicans. If Zion comes back, that entices me, but they still get swept because their defense is yep. going to be a bloodbath with that lineup of Jonas, Zion, McCullum, Brandon Ingram, and uh. Who else do they start? Do they start Herb? Herb is fine, but Herb can't defend the entire Suns uh, no, lineup. No, no. Um, so I think that probably. They, I think they'd keep it closer, um, but I don't think they win a game. Mm-hmm. Clippers. I'm gonna give Paul George the credit where it's due. I think he steals a game, <laughs> um, and for some reason, and honestly, I'm gonna plug Lu here for a second because I don't think he's been getting enough uh, love and praise. But I mean with the team he kind of ran out there for the majority of the year and i mean you hit on it a lot with the mere coffee and like uh luke canard um uh, who was the other uh i don't remember who the other dude was <laughs> with the Hartenstein, there you go um but just just the lineups he was throwing out sometimes you're like
0: how is he winning yeah.
1: how is he firmly in the eighth seed like mm. how um, so I think Ty Lute has done an incredible job coaching this year, and I think that that along with Paul George can win him an a game. Um, But I'm gonna be honest, both the Timberwolves or not the Timberwolves, the Pelicans and the Spurs game is pretty tight right now. So I'll I'll be interested to see who who comes out on top of this one and how well they play against uh, the Clippers, who kind of reeled a little bit last night. But uh, if if I'm if I'm a bet man, which you know me enough to know I'm not, um. <laughs> I think the clippers will probably be the one they face um and so i think it'll probably be done in four or five um and i'm only giving it that five because of paul george and tyloo
0: yeah i agree if it's the pelicans or the spurs it's a clean sweep i don't even (laughs) phoenix could run their g league team out there and i think they'd be fine (laughs) of course i'm exaggerating but yeah I, i that's how much that sleeper of a series that would be clippers Yeah, five games. Paul George is enough to get you one. Um, Let's move from these lopsided series to the quote-unquote supposed-to-be-tight series in the 4-5 and matchup out east. Now, this one is very, very interesting in my opinion. I'm curious to see what your thoughts are, and that is Philadelphia 76ers versus the Toronto Raptors.
1: Yeah, I like this series a lot. Um, you got one head coach who um, is not the greatest of playoff coaches, and then you've got a man who, ever since he's been a head coach, has been a dominant playoff coach. Um, I think solely on the Nick Nurse versus Doc Rivers, I think that leans towards Nick Nurse. Um, Pascal and Fred Van Fleet and Scotty Barnes and Gary Trent have played really really well this year um, obviously I don't think any of those guys match the firepower and star power of Joel um, and I don't see them having a very good answer for Joel defensively at center um, Chris Boucher is a little too skinny for my liking I think Joel just bodies him and then Kim Birch is uh, too, too small um, so I think Joel will probably average 40 and 20 yeah, In this the
0: series,
1: crash, that's what you either. exactly. Um, I'm still gonna, I still think this is gonna be a seven game series. I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, Philly, uh, won't be, they can't have Matisse Thiebel when they play on the road, which I mean, that's not a massive blow for them. Um, mm-hmm. the only thing that really hurts is, uh, you're kind of gonna leave. Uh, I mean, I think they probably put him on Scotty Barnes. I think they might put they might put him on Freddie. Um, so that opens up Freddie or Scotty or whoever for one game to kind of go off. Um, but I, th- I definitely think this is going to be a nice, tight matchup. Um, James Harden's never really been the greatest of playoff performers. Um, Joel, I think, like I already said, I think he'll average 40 and 20. Um, but you and I both know Toronto's five-man uh, rotation will probably – waiver out sooner than that so but I think I think this will be a fun one to watch um it's a really enticing matchup so that's why I'm sticking with seven I, it probably won't um and if if Joel averages what I think he's gonna average it probably will be
0: like five or six but I, I, I got to say seven somewhere, so I'm sticking with seven. That was my – that's funny you just said that. That was my thinking with the Warriors Nuggets. I, I'm like, I have to say seven somewhere. But I think I have two spots where I'm going to say seven that's coming up. But Golden State and Denver, I felt like I was like, you know, one of those series that you don't expect to go seven that goes seven, I could see that one doing it. So that, that was my thinking with Warriors and Denver. But with this, the Philly-Toronto series, I think it's going to be Philly in six. I think – They're going to have some bumps and bruises after this one. Toronto is a damn good team, and they've been playing well at the right time. Um, I think Joel carries them through this series, just like you said. And if this series goes six, like I, I, I would be shocked if it didn't go six. And that's because Harden, I think he's going to shrink in at least half the games, if not more. But he better show up, or they're going to get beat and that i mean cuz toronto they can beat you in a series that they are good enough to do that so he better show up at least for two or three games as we go into the second round he's going to need to show up for all seven of them but for this series harden just going to have to give you two or three games where he looks somewhat more a shell of himself you know um but that's my thoughts on that one so the other 4-5 series is dallas utah out west um With Luka Doncic getting hurt in that final game of the season, this is all up in the air right now. I really have no prediction for this because I'm waiting to hear the Luka news, so I really don't know. Um, And to be honest, in my opinion, even if Luka was playing, I don't give a shit about this series because I don't think it matters in the long run. (laughs) (laughs) hate to say that, but uh, what are your thoughts on this one?
1: Yeah, yeah All right, so I'm going to be honest with you. I was about to say sweep in four for Dallas, but I forgot that Luka got hurt, Um, which irritates me because I really want to see Utah get swept. Um, But Tim Hardaway Jr. is out with a fracture in his left foot. Um, And then they announced Tuesday, so yesterday, that he's dealing with a strained left calf and there's no timetable for his return. um, they don't win this series without Luca. I'm, I'm just gonna say that outright. Um, yeah. Uh, I hate to say it, but uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, Jalen Brunson, and uh, I'm blanking on Denwinny, They they don't win this game. They don't win this series for you. Um, Luca is literally the only chance you have. Um, and I'm dead serious. I was gonna say sweep, if but I forgot Luca's hurt. Um, cause I just don't believe in the jazz. Um, I think if the jazz find a way to lose this series, um, and Luca doesn't play, uh, I don't think that it'll cost Quinn Snyder his job, but you'll definitely see them blow up harder than I think you and I were imagining. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. but if Luca doesn't play, I'm going to be honest, it's probably going to be jazz and five. (laughs) I agree um but if Luca plays I, I think i think he, i think Luca literally flips the series one way or the other um yep. if he if he plays if he plays i think he literally dominates them
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and if he doesn't play i think mike conley uh donovan mitchell and rudy will probably handily win this series so this is this is kind of a weird one because it's up in the air exactly um
0: it's, it's all up in the air and Luka is one of the best players in the world so I mean it's just so hard to see this when we don't have the news on Luka and the thing about a calf strain those calf injuries will nag, KOC and Chris Vernon were talking about this earlier today it's like a hamstring injury, they, they're gonna nag and that's what concerns mm-hmm. me so I'm tempted to pick, pick Utah but then again I mean who knows if he plays in game one on Saturday You know, and so we'll see
1: yeah, no, you. I agree.
0: All right, but let's go into the two seven matchups. Of course, we're gonna save our Grizzlies for last. We have a lot of things to unload when it comes to that. But we're gonna go with probably um, one of the best series in this first round, which is the Boston Celtics against the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Boston is had just an incredible season. They flipped it kind of like the Grizzlies had Boston finished the season 51 and 31 Brooklyn nets of course last night advanced in the playing tournament to play Boston uh, Cooper who you got in this one
1: so without Robert Williams I think this is going to be a tougher task for Boston um, if you're Boston you probably really wanted to see Cleveland win mm-hmm. um, uh, but I still think Boston wins. I think this will probably be a seven-game series just because of who's playing in this series. This is this is going to be an incredible series. I mean, you have star power galore. Um, do you know whether or not Ben Simmons will be involved in this at all? Um, I don't think he will be, but...
0: It's been a bunch of smoke screens. He posted on his story today of him in the gym, and it was super cryptic. But Steve Nash has been shutting down the rumors. Like he's hasn't, he's not even doing one on one yet. which I don't even know is true because Steve Nash has lied about Kyrie before coming back. So it, it's yeah. it's all up in the air. I, I I don't know. To be honest, I I, I don't. So it's it's okay. Kind of
1: well, in the air we're gonna we're gonna go at this like he's not playing. Yeah, um,
0: that's what would be my just turn.
1: because it'll be easier that way. Um, and honestly, I don't know how much he'd move. I, I love Ben Simmons as a player because um, the defensive uh, prowess that he brings is uh, unmatched. Um, but I, I, we haven't seen them play together yet, so you never know how that's going to go. Um, but we're going to play it as if he's not playing. So Boston has a tough matchup just because um, <laughs> you're basically, the, you have that reputation of the number one defense with a bunch of dogs, Marcus Smart led. Um, but then you're also playing the best player in the world, in Kevin Durant, uh, or one of the best players in the world, in Kevin Durant, and then Kyrie Irving in playoffs, um, is, and like out of this world, fun to watch. Um, so they Boston's gonna have their hands full. I think they win. I, I really do. Um, I think being uh, at, at Boston. Boston having that home advantage definitely helps them here. So I'm going to stick with Boston in seven um, just because I think Kevin Durant and Kyrie are good enough to make it go to seven. Um, And so I think this is going to be a fun matchup. Really fun. I mean, if Boston's sitting there saying, oh, if we're the two seed, we, we won't be having to face Brooklyn. And then you're sitting here and you're the two seed and having to face Brooklyn first round, I mean, you're probably just like, are you kidding me? But uh, this will
0: be a fun one. This will be a fun one. Yeah, for sure. Um, I agree. I think Boston wins, but I think it's in six. Uh, like I was talking about earlier, that playing game has me feeling really uneasy about Brooklyn. Uh and and people forget this, Kyrie Irving once had a microphone in the Boston Garden when he was a Celtic saying, yeah, I'm going to re-sign this summer, and he did not do that. <laughs> Kyrie Irving also stepped on their logo this year as he was booed getting chants of Kyrie sucks. So he is going to be booed the entire series. Those Boston fans are going to be absolutely ruthless to him. And I know, um, I know. I said Brooklyn's going nowhere after this first round, but this is the best time to play Boston without Robert Williams. But even in contrary to that, there's reports now saying Robert Williams could return for this series, not by Game One, but maybe in the middle of it, which would be just an insane recovery. Um, but we'll see. I got Boston in six. I don't think. Brooklyn can defend anybody. And I think if you had to choose one team to defend Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, I'm choosing the Boston Celtics, who have the number one defense in the league and who is 26 and 26-6 since the new year. And I'll tell you, this series is eerily similar to the Phoenix LA series last year. As you remember, the Lakers kind of slipped into the play-in. They were supposed to be super, super good last year. And they still had KCP last year. They still had Kuz last year. So they're supposed to be good, but they slipped into the plan because of injury, similar to Brooklyn. And they all – everybody picked them against Phoenix in that 2-7 series. And Brooklyn is the favorite in this series. They are the betting favorite against Boston. And L.A. was too. Phoenix kind of um, was really underrated, kind of like how Boston is this year. I think it has the same ending as that Phoenix – and LA series. Phoenix won that in six. I think Boston wins this one in six and sends that big market Brooklyn Nets team that everyone loves home
1: early. Dude, that is a great comparison. That is a perfect comparison. Like literally, I don't, I'm not even going to say anything else other than that. That is a perfect comparison to the Suns Lakers series last year. That is a perfect comparison.
0: All right, let's shift to um, pressure in these playoffs. Which team to you, Cooper, has the most pressure on them in these playoffs.
1: I'm going to give you an East and a West team solely on the fact that I can't decide who I want to pick. Um, but I think, I think the East team's pretty easy for me. I think Philadelphia is the one that has the most pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been hearing rumors surrounding Doc Rivers, whether or not he's going to stay, whether or not he's, uh, a good enough coach, players don't like him, that stuff. And then also you made a massive trade in this, in the middle of the season. Um, to get Ben Simmons away and get James Harden, so if you flake out first or second round, people are going to look at that and be like, uh, "So you're you're losing the same round as before?" Um, <laughs> like Ben Simmons did the same thing. I mean, what's the difference? Like you know what I mean? So like, I think they have the most pressure and self inflicted pressure. So um, we'll see how they how they play that um, and then. Out West, I really want to say Golden State. I mean, I know I said that. I think Golden State handles Denver. Um, and, and originally, I was going to say Utah. Um, but with Utah not even having to worry, um, potentially not even having to worry about Luka, I think that alleviates their pressure. Because you and I talked a couple weeks ago about how um, if they're an early early exit, that uh, we can see it blowing up. But I think it's probably going to blow up anyways. Um but they they definitely not having to face Luca first round is probably gonna alleviate a little bit more of that pressure. And I also just wish that Dallas had made the three seed. Now that Luca decided to strain a calf, um, but that's neither here nor there. I, I hope Luca gets, gets better because I'm gonna be honest, the playoff without Luca Doncic playing is not gonna be as much fun. Um, so I'm I'm gonna stick with Golden State. I think they have a lot of pressure. You you hit on it. Their big three hadn't played a lot. And I know I'm high on them just because I think I think Golden State's home court advantage is uh, unmatched. Um, and I think we'll see glimmers of the old team, but I definitely think there, there's going to be a lot of rust to knock off. Um, and like you said earlier, they're having to play one of the best players in our league right now, in Jokic. Um, and it doesn't matter who they put on him. He's still going to have a triple-double. Um, it does not matter. Because um, for some reason, he throws it to people – on his team and they somehow make shots. Like I'm still baffled at how the team he has, he's still almost averaging a triple double. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with the Warriors just because uh they have a tougher first matchup, but also they haven't played um very well down the stretch and they barely squeaked in and kept that three seed. Um and then also staff's coming back from injury we'll see what he looks like and then just seeing what their big three looks like again because we haven't really seen them in full since they were having three peats and all this nonsense so um i'll definitely i think they they have the most pressure out of the west
0: Mm -hmm. i'll stay in the west with mine i'm gonna go with um one that's kind of you're gonna be taken back but right when i say it but then i'll get to explain it i think the phoenix suns have the most pressure on them Because if they don't win this year, when is their time? You know, Kawhi Leonard's out for the Clippers. The Warriors are hobbled. Um, Dallas is hobbled with Luka Doncic. Memphis is still young. They don't have any experience to really carry them as a two seed. So Chris Paul's aging. They need to win a title this year. And, And if... They they really do because this is their best window. The discussion in the West is not you know which teams are contenders. It's Phoenix and then everyone else. Which team has a shot against Phoenix? That's the talk in the West, and Phoenix needs to back that up just like they did last year. So I feel like they have a lo- low key have a lot of pressure on them to win a title this year because this is the best window they're going to get. I, I truly feel that way. Even in the East. Um whoever comes out of there is gonna be is not gonna be a clear title favorite. Phoenix is a clear title favorite and they need to back it up and honestly, I think they will, but it doesn't take away from the pressure that they have on them.
1: No, I like that a lot because I mean in every championship run the stars have to align uh, for every team I mean literally last year, Kevin Durant shoot, is on the line milwaukee's not even the team we're talking about winning the championship last year
0: um
1: so like the stars have to align everything has to go right and with the injuries piling up the way they are um phoenix is in a clear i mean they just have to take care of business they just can't get lazy can't uh sleep on any team they have to go in night out night night in night out take care of business so i really i really do I, I can see the pressure uh, for them because like you said, they are the clear favorite. It literally goes to them and everybody else, including all the teams in the West or in the East. So, and like, even if whoever comes out of the East is going to be so beat up from having to go through the East playoffs, I think the East playoffs are going to be super competitive. Um, and I really think it's anybody's game. And, and when you look in the West, I think it's uh, Phoenix is to lose. Um, I think, I think, not to toot our grizzlies horn yeah they're they're the youngest but i think they have the best if any chance to beat the suns
0: yeah
1: um so i i think you're right twice they have pressure we did Mm -hmm. and we beat them once over there and once with the g league squad so i mean
0: yeah (laughs) Yeah, speaking of the grizzlies let's just jump into that we we're gonna discuss which player is the most pressure on them but mine's james harden and i think that's relatively simple do you agree with that
1: yeah no that's that's yeah
0: and it's self-explanatory small game james out of shape in training camp demanded a trade two times in two years so yeah that's the guy that has the most pressure on them and philly fans are going to absolutely castrate him if he doesn't show up in the playoffs anyways it is time to go in the grizzlies corner In the Grizzlies Corner, we are discussing all things Grizzlies, and that includes the two versus seven series out in the Western Conference: the Memphis Grizzlies versus the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I cannot wait to unload my clip when it comes to this series. But Cooper,
1: oh, I, I get to, I get to be the first one to talk in our first ever Grizz Corner yeah. segment. Um, wow, that's a that's a massive honor. I need to take a, take a step back.
0: Bro. We're only an hour into the podcast bit. before we probably get it here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> No, it is what it is. Um, super excited. Um, I mean, I'm just excited for playoff basketball. I mean, you and I were talking about getting tickets the other day, and then I, I pointed out how they're triple what I got tickets for earlier in the season in the Thank same God. place.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so, I mean – this series is going to be fun. I mean, we got two trash-talking teams, two young teams, um, super athletic teams. Um, I mean, we couldn't ask for a more fun matchup. No. Um, and so I'm super excited about that. I I didn't want to play the Timberwolves. So I'm, I'm going to be honest. Nope. upfront uh, about it. I, I would have preferred to play the Clips because uh, we're just a horrible matchup for the Clippers. Um, and I think this matchup against minnesota couldn't be better um i mentioned how boston versus brooklyn's gonna be a fun one i mentioned how uh philly versus toronto is gonna be a fun one this series is if you don't tune into the grizzlies versus timberwolves you will miss out on some incredible basketball yes um you and i went to one of the timberwolves game uh john contra had 17 rebounds and hit a dagger three and the crowd went crazy
0: yes it um, was electric then, it was like being at a playoff game and it was like it, on was a, literally, it was a thursday night against minnesota and we expected exactly yeah we didn't expect that and it was a it was a fantastic game we got our money's worth it.
1: we sure did it was awesome and uh it's so uh, this series is split in half in the regular season it was two games to two games um timberwolves beat us by 41 game um at the beginning of the season when the Grizzlies just kind of didn't know what they were doing yet. Um, and then, uh, Grizzlies came back from a deficit and beat them in overtime when cat forced overtime with crazy, uh, just, uh, it wasn't a half quarter. It was like a little under a half quarter bang shot to go into overtime. And then we just held on to win. And then, uh, the final game that we played was after all-star break when Pat Bev hurt, uh, ja. um, so, I ended with that game specifically to kind of go into my fear for this series. Um, Pat Bev being on Jaw for an entire series. Because um, you know good and well, he's going to... Pat Bev's not going to score any points, but he's going to play 40 minutes a game just because Jaw's going to play 40 minutes a game. Um, and I'm just... I'm, I, I've am i seen it happen once where Pat Bev is overly aggressive and he... Uh, injured jaw in a game. Granted, Jaw came out the very next game against the Bulls had 40, and then the very next game had 50 something against the Spurs, and uh, ended Jakob Earl's career. Um, so, like, it wasn't a significant injury, but it was definitely something where Jaw looked pretty rough throughout the rest of the game because he tried to play through it. Um, so that that does worry me. Um, in the game that you and I saw, um, Anthony Edwards. Should have went for 50, but Cat uh, and D'Lo just didn't throw him the ball again. Um, but he had, I think, what what was it, 28, 29 in the first half? Yeah. Um, and both you and I were like, well, all right. <laughs> just, he's, he's just not going to miss tonight. Um, so I'm super excited uh, for this series. Um, If I remember correctly, we haven't had our full lineup against them in any of the games we played. And when I say full lineup, that being Dylan didn't play or Jaron didn't play or somebody didn't play. So we're going to have our full arsenal to throw at them. And I think Dylan is a massive, massive key for the series. Um, I I think his defense on – he's going to be probably guarding Anthony Edwards. Um, I think that's going to be – he's going to have to be on – his natural normal DB stuff. Um, cause I think you're going to, you're going to have to pick and choose who to neutralize. And I think Steven Adams can do a, uh, a fine job. Steven and Sharon mix. They can do a fine job on cat. I mean, cats. Yes. He shot three for 11, but cat is cat. He's not going to shoot three for 11 every game. And if he does shoot three for 11, every game, the Grizzlies will be walking away with a sweep. I'm just saying that right now, but that's, I don't think he's going to, um, but you're going to have to shut down one of their three every night. Um, and I think Dylan is going to be a massive key to that. And as is Jaron Jackson, um, I think the Grizzlies do win this series, um, solely based on, I think our defense is a little bit better than theirs. Um, I definitely think this is going to be an electric series and I'm super excited. Um, I, I think the Grizzlies can win this in six. Um, I'm not going to say anything less than that. and I might even lean towards seven. I think this is going to be that kind of a series. This is just a rough matchup for our Grizz, but I'm super excited for it anyways. Um, but this is, this is going to be what we came here for. And uh, I know people probably didn't watch the Grizzlies versus Jazz series last year, but uh, John Moran did have like 40 points a game. So... Get ready, because Pepe is probably going to be going to some water parks here soon.
0: I'm going to be completely honest, dude. I, I'm scared shitless. Um, <laughs> I felt so freaking good about the Clippers. They were winning the entire game. I'm like, hell yeah, dude. This, this rat ass team can barely beat the Timberwolves with cat and foul trouble and D'Lo at the time wasn't playing that well. So I'm like, God, dude, Clippers can barely beat this team. We're going to freaking sweep the Clippers. And lo and behold, you know, the fiasco at the end happens. And now we get to play a Minnesota team who has ul- the ultimate confidence. And they should because if you can win when you play that terribly, you're, you're going to be confident about whoever you play against. And another thing with our Grizzlies in this series this is one of the only matchups where the pressure is on us. If we were go- going up against Golden State, the pressure would be on them. Even Dallas, the pressure would be on them. Phoenix, the pressure would be on them. Utah, you know, they've been there before. So is Denver. But against Minnesota, we have the pressure. And that that is rare. And that's something that Memphis hasn't really felt before. Even with Mark and Zebo, we weren't expected to win anything. And now we're the... We have the second best record in the NBA. One of the best superstars in the NBA. We're expected to take care of business in this series. And people, the national media, does not know what a problem Minnesota is for us. Yes, Patrick Beverly and everything he's going to do to Ja. Ja did go off against Utah last year. But in the four games we played against the Timberwolves, he's only averaged 20 points. And that really, really concerns me. Because I think Patrick Beverly could possibly hurt Ja. if he doesn't, then... Ja has not played well, and that's a big sample size. That's playing a team four times this season. Ja's only averaging 20. That's that's not good at all. Also, like you said, Anthony Edwards and D'Lo always kill us. Anthony Edwards had 25 at halftime when Cooper and I went to the game, and he could have went for 50, like uh, Coop said. D'Lo has ice in his veins against us for some reason. Cat is a – I'm, I'm going to pivot on Cat. I'm not scared of him at all. He he's he's a baby. I I don't like him. I think Jaron on him uh, neutralizes that. I I feel good about that. We do have one ace in our back pocket though. They have Patrick Beverly. We have Dylan Brooks. DB can match Pat Bev's energy, and I truly feel that way. He can lock up either Anthony Edwards, like you were saying, or D'Angelo Russell, if need be. Uh, I'm gonna toss one to you. How fast does Dylan Brooks and Patrick Beverly get in a fight into this series?
1: Oh, I'm I'm expecting uh, technical fouls within the first five minutes of the game. Okay, I agree. Um, I'm not I'm not even gonna lie. I, I think we're gonna have so many tees in the series. It's not even gonna be funny. Um, you and I both know. Uh, Taylor Jenkins can also get his few sh- fair share of tees. Um, Dylan is gonna be. I mean, let's be real. The Grizzlies and the Timberwolves are both gonna be fired up for the series. Yeah. Um, I mean these are two. I mean these these are the two premier trash talking. Energetic, in your grill, young, young, Rottweilers,
0: teams. yeah,
1: Ex- yeah. Literally, couldn't describe it better. Um, and so, and we know Dylan better than most. He he does. I mean, this is what he does for a living. This series is what Dylan Brooks does for a living. Um, I think, honestly, if I'm being honest with you, yes, the Grizzlies have all the pressure, but I think they were sitting at home watching that Clippers game, saying come on to rules. Please just win this game. Because I'm telling you right now, we're going to come out of this series with the the biggest rivalry since the Grizzlies-Spurs, Grizzlies-Clippers, Grizzlies-Thunder. I think this is going to spark an incredible rivalry with two young cores. Um, And we haven't even mentioned another ace in our hole. I think uh, DB, uh, the other DB, Desmond Bain, is... I, I think I'll, I don't want to put it all on his shoulders because I think Jaron's going to have to play better than he has because Jared Vanderbilt does a good job against Jaron defensively. Um, but uh, Desmond Bain definitely has to shoot it the way we know he's capable of because um, all all of the Timberwolves' thought is going to be going towards Ja. Um, I know, I know, uh, it was super early in the season. When Desmond was kind of coming out of nowhere, uh, shooting the way he was shooting, playing the way he was playing. When uh, Chris Vernon and them were talking on their show, they were saying, well, Jaw's second season, or Jaw's first season, nobody knew to th- like, everybody knew he was the guy they just drafted number two overall, but that wasn't the guy they circled on the matchup chart at night in, night out. And that's why Jaw kind of took the league by storm his first year. And then his second year, it was a little bit tougher. Because people were circling him instead, because they were like, he's the one you got to focus on. Desmond Bain's not the one people circle <laughs> on this roster, um. So if Desmond can come out and average twenty, like we know he's capable of, and we get, and, and like you said, say they say they shut jaw down at twenty points a game, um, if we can get twenty from Desmond and or Jaron or or even DB. Or melt off the bench or something like that, we're going to have to get it from somewhere else and I know this team's capable of doing it so that's why I definitely think we have the pressure but I think the Grizzlies have thrived under pressure. I mean what's the famous saying? Diamonds are made under pressure
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, so we're going to get to see what they're made of um, this team's wanted all the smoke all season long and they're getting the team that's going to blow it right up them so <laughs> I mean exactly right. this is going to be a fire matchup um, yeah. so as, as scared as I am of the Timberwolves, I think they should be just as scared as the of the Grizzlies. Um, they shouldn't be coming in singing, we are the champions because the Grizzlies will punch that out of them f- quick, fast, and in a hurry. Um, so I- I'm excited.
0: Yes. Just like what you were saying. I think that, I think our Grizzlies were sitting back watching Reggie Miller say, Ja, you better get your sleep. Watch Huck and Shaq pick Minnesota in this series. And it gave us bulletin board material. And Our young guys, they feed off that stuff. They love it. They salivate whenever they see it because that gives them extra motivation. And I'm so glad that um, we're not getting picked because that takes the pressure off of us. And also, another bright spot is Minnesota makes so many dumbass mistakes. They should not have won that game, but they're emotional, they're immature, they're inconsistent. And we're a team that loves to run in transition, and Minnesota turns the ball over a ton. So hopefully we can exploit that as well. And I loved your point about you know yes if they shut Jaw down to 20 points a game yes this team is what 20 and three or whatever they are without Jaw so we're capable of winning elsewhere. But that is in the regular season. So you know Dez is going to have to show up. He cannot you know be February March Dez where he was in a slump. It has to be full on Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks has been chained up all year yes he played this last month but it was on minutes restriction it was not being able to play back to backs i think he's going to be wound all the way up especially with patrick beverly walking in the building i'm not going to miss a minute of this series i know you aren't either so i got our memphis grizzlies in six games we're going to walk out with some bruises but we're getting out of the first round and we're putting these kids back in their place
1: amen to that and also uh, I know we're in the Grizz the Grizz corner right now but uh shout out to CJ McCollum because uh he on a heater right now he got yeah, like 27, 27 in the first half and they're going in a half up 11 so yes uh, yeah, shout out to CJ um but yeah dude I couldn't set it better myself put these kids back in their place because I mean yeah we're the kids but uh we we've been here one, 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 once or twice, you know what I mean? Yeah. So
0: we, Ja's been up to Utah and dropped 47 on the road in a playoff game. Nobody on the Timberwolves roster has done that. Ja has sent the Golden State Warriors home from the play-in tournament. Nobody on the Wolves have done that. Yes. They beat the Clippers and Amir Coffey and all those boys up there, but they're going to be walking into the grindhouse on Saturday and, uh, I think they get beat on Saturday, and I think it gives us tremendous momentum going in uh, to this series. Um, That's all I got. Cooper, you got anything else? No, but
1: that grindhouse is going to be packed, and it's going to be thriving this
0: weekend. (laughs) what I would do to be there. I know I'm not going to be there. I'll be definitely watching it on TV and probably blow out my speakers. How loud it's going to be. Same
1: here. Same here. All
0: right. Well, you have a great night, my friend, and I'll talk to you soon.
1: Same to you, brother.